Hey guys, I just want to tell you a little bit about our Podcasts app which is now live on the App Store. It's the world's first audio-driven app for experiencing medicine. Every week you can step into the shoes of doctors with an engaging case and quiz. Download now and have a look for yourself. Let's get back to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In podcast. I hope you've all been keeping well. This week we're joined by another super special guest. We have with us today Dr. Anya who's a medical doctor having graduated from Imperial College in 2018. She's completed her foundation training and has taken a step away from medicine to pursue a career in product management, combining her clinical and creative interests. This is going to be a super special conversation. There's a lot of questions we have. You may all know her as the little coffee doc on Instagram. So before we get into anything, we'll ask her where that name came from. but it's been a pleasure to invite you onto the show, Anya. How are you? Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. No, I'm good today. Thanks. And having said that, I do have my coffee right next to me. So you may hear <laughs> the occasional slurp of my coffee. So excuse me for that. Um, but yeah, that's a question I get a lot about my Instagram name. Um, it actually started way back in 2017 um, when I was on my honeymoon. So I got married during medical school, during final year and um, went on, managed to get a little bit of time off in between placements to go to Italy. And as many of you will know, listening to this, like Italy is the home of modern coffee houses. And I just became obsessed with coffee while out there. I just wanted to create a blog to share my experiences, learning about coffee, drinking coffee, finding coffee houses, Mm -hmm. and found it to be a really social experience as well. But since then, obviously, I've got so many interests outside of coffee that kind of seeped into the the blog so it's definitely taken a turn away from that into more of a medical design and lifestyle blog um now so but i i just quite like the name it's kind of quirky and it is it is me so it really is quirky and it's an it's a cool name and it catches on so all you know from the very beginning before little coffee doc existed tell us a bit about yourself anya you know life growing up why you went to medical school Mm -hmm. kind of start from the very beginning so we can get to really know who you are okay sure um so let's take this back to the 90s um i was (laughs) born and raised in the uk um i was actually raised by um doctor parents so both my mum and my dad are doctors and they still are doctors today working in the nhs for about 30 years now um so i traveled around while they were doing um all the kind of registrar training so i've lived all over the uk but we did settle in essex um, and just on a side note, being raised by a doctor-doctor couple, I think that's a topic that I get asked a lot, uh, um, asked about a lot by friends, people who kind of don't want to marry a medic. Um, so I've got a lot of opinions on that as well. But personally, I think I had a great childhood. My parents were there for me, but were also able to commit to their jobs full time. So I definitely think it's possible for anyone who's in a situation like that, because people always feel they have to take a bit of a backseat um, when raising kids, but I think med- mm-hmm. medicine does allow you to do both if that's what you want to do. Um, but yeah, I had a great childhood. I felt like I was always having fun. I was really creative, always drawing, painting. Um, and that was kind of my thing, um, especially as I got more into school. I mean, everyone has their thing and art was my thing and I kind of really embraced it. Um, spent a lot of my youth, um, you know, creating imaginary scenarios. Um, I have a twin sister as well. Many people who follow me on Instagram as well would know her as Halal Girl New York. Um, 
but as a, as a twin, we yeah we had a lot of fun. We we used to kind of immerse ourselves in lands of make believe, and um, I think being together and kind of rubbing off of each other created like turned us both into quite imaginative um, and creative, and I guess confident as well at that age. People. Um, so at that time, when I was in school, I my dream was to be an illustrator for children's storybooks or an animator for Disney or something like that. <laughs> Part of me still wants to pursue that dream. Um, but I do think that dreams dreams can change and, and adapt around your experiences as well. So it's not exactly what I want to do now. But um, that was me in school. And then it got to the point when I was applying for um, university. I wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do in life, but I felt that I've been guided a lot by my spirituality and my faith. And for me, that that was something that definitely helped carve a pathway for me because I felt that if I've got this one one life, I want to use it well. I want to use mm. it to impact people and help people. And at the time, I, I just really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was kind of, you know, good at everything, but not great at any one thing apart from art. And I didn't mm. see it as um, a career that I, I wanted to do at the time. So... I went to medical school for mainly that reason is I wanted to have an opportunity to help people and have that mm. kind of purpose driving me through. Definitely think that having parents in the NHS um, influenced that decision. And my mum particularly was really happy when I decided to go to medical school. Um, so, you know, that was the decision. It would, I didn't actually give it that much thought at the time, but mm. um, that's how I ended up in medical school, really. Sweet. Um, and I was going to ask, growing up in a household where both parents are medics, mm-hmm. I'm sure it was amazing, but were there part- times where you, you kind of saw the ugly side of medicine where it's late on calls or perhaps your parents were doing um, nights or weekends? Did that in any way kind of alter your decision to do medicine? Did mm-hmm. you kind of be exposed to the negative side of medicine? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, I feel like I could talk about this for ages because I've got <laughs> loads of different scenarios and stories that I can think of, but I, I guess... For me, as a child growing up, I had I had an older brother as well. The three of us mm. were really close and we kept each other enough company that I guess in the times that my parents were absent, we didn't notice it at the time. We were just kids doing our thing as kids do. Um, I mean, yeah. we did have au pairs and childminders who came to pick us up from school most of our time in primary school, which is kind of like elementary school, middle school. And... Um, I mean, for us, we thought that was normal because that's all we ever knew, you know, having Julie or, you know, Olga pick us up from school. It was it was normal, whereas we didn't really realize that parents picking up their kids from school is is usually the done thing. For us, it was a luxury. Mm. And and in some ways, it made it even more special when our dad did kind of finish his surgical list a bit early to come to come and pick us up from school, because that was a special moment for us. Um, I guess because we had each other, we didn't know any different. But in hindsight, um, I do think that it probably wasn't the childhood that most children have. Um, It definitely didn't put me off because I still felt that I was raised in a happy and loving environment. And that's the most Mm. important thing. So you then went to medical school. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about med school, what life was like, um, the challenges you faced, um, any turning points where you thought, hold on, this is 
is it for me is it not for me mm-hmm. or it is what i want okay. um, tell us a little bit about your med school years yep so um as you mentioned at the in the very kind intro um i went to imperial college in london so um i just liked the structure of um what i'd heard about the university had a few friends there really wanted to stay in london um so i loved i actually really loved my time in medical school i made loads of great friends um people who know me will also know i met my husband at medical school so that's definitely i got got more than a degree from med school that is enough that's all you need to meet your life partner yeah, yeah exactly so i definitely made the most of med school i'd say but um I think I enjoyed the content to a degree, but I think when it got to clinical years, I felt um, in myself that life started to drag and feel a little bit stagnant um, because I felt that the way medical school is in the UK, and from from my experiences personally, some people may feel different listening to this, um, everything was about memorizing um you know memorizing information passing exams and they wanted to churn you out to be this ideal doctor um by the end of the degree based on what they think an ideal doctor should be so i felt mm-hmm. there wasn't enough um opportunity to explore creative interests or really hone in on talents or differences that make you special as a person because you know oskies and all your different exams were, you know, you have to meet this objective, you have to say things in this way, you have to say it like this, this is good, this is bad. And, um, you know, I was lucky that I I was kind of a confident person. So I didn't really struggle during medical school. I just, not academically, but I think more um, creatively, I felt that I struggled Mm. because things started to feel a bit disconnected. And I felt disconnected from my previous kind of creative interests in art and design. And I didn't really yeah. feel that that medical school gave me those opportunities that I was looking for. And at the time, I didn't realize it. Um, I just kind of kept going on with the flow. But um, like you said, there was actually a turning point. And for me, it was in my fourth year, um, which was my BSc year. So at Imperial, I think there's a few other universities who who um, make you do a BSc as well. It's, it wasn't optional. But for me, I decided to stay at Imperial and I went to the Imperial College Business School and did a BSc in healthcare management. Um, mm. so it was like a mini MBA type thing. Um, and it seems silly, but up until that point, I didn't really know a world outside of medicine. But now stepping into the business school, I just really loved it. I really felt like I came into my own. It was like I was in like this dark room where I couldn't really see anything. Like the light was lifted, like the lid was lifted and light light came in and it just felt really inspiring. And I think the people I was around as well were really hard workers, thinkers, like people who were thinking differently as well. Um, so it was like the most fun I'd had in medical school. It was my favorite year of medical school, which is bad because yeah. it had nothing to do with medicine. Um, <laughs> Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. And um, not to s- come across like I'm showing off or anything, but I ended up coming first in my year, um, got a few oh, prizes nice. on graduation. It was definitely like one of the highlights of my life in, in that on the Albert Hall stage, kind of getting my prizes in front of my parents as well. And I felt like it showed, my, showed me, but also showed them that mm. when you enjoy something, it doesn't feel like work. And that's when you can really mm, thrive. Yeah. Um, and that's why I really encourage people to try and if, if, you know, their medical degree gives you an opportunity to do a BSc, I definitely think it's mm. a good idea to, 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 to take that, you know, expand your horizon, definitely. explore new things. Um, so for me, I definitely thought I, I learned so much as well that 
isn't in medicine and skills that I still hold with me today. So I definitely look back at that as a really, really good opportunity for me. Nice. When it comes to the business school that yeah. you, you were at, mm-hmm. what sort of passions did it draw out of you? What what sides of your sort of skills, mm-hmm. talents, mm-hmm. Uh, the things you love, what things did it sort of exercise and bring out? Oh, yeah, true. I didn't really talk much about the degree itself. So it was a lot of work in small, basically the degree, it was, um, the course was broken down into about 10 different modules and each topic was different. So we had kind of business strategy, economics, um, healthcare management, uh, and even like human resources and organizational behavior, which was a lot of emphasis on psychology and understanding people and how to make effective businesses run because businesses are effectively um, groups of people. And it was a lot of really interesting kind of psychological work we were we were doing and the thing that I loved about it that and the passions it kind of brought out in me were that you could you were given a problem but you weren't told what was the right or wrong answer you were just asked to solve it in a way that it was so open and so creative that it just really allowed you to really go deep into explore the problem and come out with something from your own mind that had maybe never even yeah. done before. So we were creating, um, you know, marketing campaigns. Um, mm. We were creating um, kind of all sorts of different like presentations and product designs. And it really allowed people who felt that they could be creative to to really let go mm. and be creative. Um, it was obviously not for actual kind of uh, commercialization any of these projects at all. It was all for the degree and I guess to do. To some degree, it was still marked uh, against yeah. some sort of ideal, but I felt compared to medicine, it was definitely a lot more free. Um, I ended up doing my dissertation. It was in a team of you know six other quite who became really mm. close friends of mine. Um, our topic was about the barriers and facilitators to um, enabling people's dying wishes. So it was linked to healthcare, mm. and we what we did was explore yeah. um, the different kind of processes that are in place in the NHS in the UK today that might impact why someone might not achieve their dying wishes, whether that's to die at home, die around family. Um, today, that conversation would be much more interesting with COVID as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we, we ended up taking quite a creative spin on that. And after presenting our findings, we actually came up with a solution. And one of the main findings we found was that um, a lot of people there's a stigma in our society about talking around death and dying. And for a lot of Mm. people, that's what really inhibits them from making a plan in advance enough and discussing that with the right keyhole kind of um, stakeholders in the process to actually get the their dying wish in place. So we created a marketing campaign that really encouraged people to, uh, to talk about death as a, a certainty in life because ultimately hmm. I don't want to bring the tone of the, the podcast yeah. down <laughs> uh, it's definitely certainty in life and it's something we we like to ignore a little bit as a society um, but I think having the ability to turn such a dark topic into something more uh, creative and, and fun in a marketing campaign I definitely think it was a really enjoyable experience so for me those kind of processes of taking a problem and turning it into your own and coming up with solutions yourself um, that may never have been thought of before. That That is what I realised I really love. Definitely. 
and just hearing you talk about that year we took out to the BSC, mm-hmm. you, you can definitely tell that you really enjoyed it. And it, it seems to me as if it allowed you to get in touch with your creative side that you had pre-med school mm-hmm. um, and it clearly resonated with you. Mm-hmm. Kind of moving forward and you mentioned that you were able to kind of graduate and your parents were there and it was a, a happy family occasion. <laughs> Tell us about foundation years and how that was um, and particular highlights, memorable moments or difficulties um, that you'd be happy to share with us. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think coming off of the high of um, the business school, which was a really happy and fun kind of environment where I felt like I thrived, going back into clinical years after that, I, I noticed a different in my, difference in my happiness, but I wasn't sure exactly what was causing it at the time. I mean, I can say it all now retrospectively because I knew that that's how I was feeling. But I was, you know, still keen to finish medical school. I still... I strongly believe that you should try things before ruling them out. So I hadn't thought that I, I want to leave medicine at this point at all. And everyone was applying in final year to, to F1 um, to, to do the training. So I just kind of went along with the current, went along with what everyone was doing and applied. Um, and I have to say, I actually enjoyed my F1 year a lot more than I had thought I would because I'd kind of built, mm. built up I kind of have my expectations so low and it's one of my philosophies um, in life is actually and it's actually something um, that I learned in the business school is that um, your satisfaction it's like an equation satisfaction equals perception minus expectation so your perception is what actually happens and then you need to minus your expectation so obviously if your expectation is sky high then your satisfaction is going to be negative Whereas if your expectation is low, your satisfaction is always going to be net positive. <laughs> so that's yeah. one of my things. I never like like to hear people's reviews on movies or TV shows because I'm like, no, keeping my expectations low, then I'm going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's something I've actually carried through with me. Not in a, I'm hoping not in a, just to, to come across like I walk around with a low expectation of anyone and everyone around me. That's not what I mean. But I just thought, you know what? let me go for it and and because I thought I wasn't gonna love it I ended up really enjoying F1 a lot more I started on general surgery ward it was really fast-paced we really thrown into the deep end kind of running ward rounds prepping notes and just we I felt like I had a lot more independence than I did in medical school and in medical school I always felt a bit like an extra appendage just hanging around doing nothing Um, so it was nice to get a little bit of responsibility and again I think my highlight in in F1 was meeting people and making friends and I think that's one of the things I love in a career is people and not just the people I worked with it's the people I worked um kind of for like the people I was serving and that's the patients um and that was what really kind of kept me going those two years is whenever I was having a tough week or whenever I wasn't really finding it uh enjoyable I Mm. would have a really nice conversation with a patient and that would kind of it would just make everything yeah it would lift my mood um and in terms of memorable moments I did kind of think of this one story um which is probably like my highlight medical uh, kind of scenario I was like a really good doctor that time so, um, essentially I was on the gastro ward um, this was in F2 I think 
No, it was the end of F1. Yeah, it was the end of F1. And there was this one patient, um, kind of an elderly old man. I think he was in for some sort of liver cirrhosis. Um, I can't remember exactly what he was initially in for. But, you know, as people have comorbidities, the other problems creep in and out. We were getting him ready for discharge, which was great. And, you know, his this was pre-COVID. So his whole family used to be at the ward uh, on the bedside the whole time and mm. kind of quizzed me on absolutely everything. And he was one of those patients who you, you kind of, in a way, you knew that if you were going to go out get to his bedside, you're going to be there for half an hour talking to the family, yeah. at least. Um, mm. It was nice because I, I, feel, I feel that, of course, you need you need to be there for family they're going through a stressful time and i actually really enjoyed patient conversations and family conversations was one of my favorite parts of of the job but he essentially we were discharging him and i was filling in the um the blood results on his discharge letter and i just noticed his potassium was raised it was probably around it was about 5.7 so a little bit higher than what you'd hope and I wasn't sure what to do because this guy was deemed medically fit for discharge we were going to get him out he'd already been in hospital for so long I thought let me just quickly sort something out I asked for an ECG and then I looked at the ECG and saw that he was having an MI and I was shocked because that's not what we were expecting at all and I took it to my registrar and the gastro reg he was known to be this really um, fatherly and stern registrar. And he, kind of, he was the one, he's the kind of guy who would never like say anything complimentary to you because his expectations. Was it just tough love? Like, exactly. Tough yeah. love, tough love. So definitely like dad vibes from him. Um, <laughs> I showed it to him and I'm, I'm like Dr. So-and-so, or I can't even remember if we called him by his first name, but um this guy's having an MI <laughs> and um, I, I, I'd gone and I assessed him. He had no symptoms, completely pain-free, literally nothing. And his family were there a little bit curious as to why on the day of discharge, I've come to do a full medical examination on him. And it, yeah. and it ended at that. The gastro reg was like, you know, this is, he, he, was, he kind of actually slightly asked me, he's like, why did you do an ECG? <laughs> like, avoided it. I know that I'm feeling. It's been fine. But I was like, I just felt like I needed to do one. Like, it just felt like the right mm. thing to do. And so that day he ended up getting accepted by a cardiology friend, Angio, and his family were so grateful that I'd taken mm. the time to look at that um, blood yeah. result and act on it. Because mm. um, yeah. they kept, you know, saying oh thank you so much like honestly they were like hugging me and <laughs> they yeah. oh, wow. had saved um his life for that a little attention to detail and, and the, i actually got mm. approval from the gastro reg it was like a nod and a smile like good job yeah. good job That's it. you made it <laughs> yeah. so i'm like you know what i can leave happy now i've yeah. goals have all been achieved um but that was <laughs> yeah. just one really great moment and i think you know medicine through all its Uh, difficult difficult times there are moments like that that really solidify your um kind of belief that it's it's a great it's a great profession profession. um definitely yeah so I definitely felt that that was great um that was probably my one of my memorable moments though there might have been more that I've just Hmm. not really but that yeah that's a sweet moment and the fact that you know you got to kind of experience that and get that approval from your reg it's interesting when we speak to all the medics and health professionals mm-hmm. um, in medicine, it's always the little moments that are the highlights of people's mm. careers, the little things, you know, the, the catheter that was put in at two yeah. o'clock in the morning yeah. or that conversation with a family or holding a dying person's hands. It's always the little stuff 
um, mm. rather than the the bravado and the the amazing and complicated stuff. But but, mm. but those golden moments, right? You don't you don't actually get in any other job. So I work with a few colleagues of mine who've gone from the other side of the world, so from finance and banking, mm-hmm. and they say, mm-hmm. I've come over here to this world of medicine because that thank you, you can't buy anywhere else mm-hmm. from the family from the patient. Um, so it's very interesting and it, it overshadows that golden nugget of a moment overshadows all the dark times you get yeah I guess it makes it it makes it all worth it in that moment because it's not about what you do it's it's how you feel and if a moment like that can make you feel great then that's what's going to yeah. get you through um, and if mm. that's what you're seeking in life as well like I think that's a, it's a really really good profession for so many people who who really love those moments so yeah exactly yeah so having kind of gone through f1 f2 and let's be honest mm-hmm. f1 f2 is hard it is difficult at moments and there are you know moments that are very low and you know like myself you may have been kicking yourself you know in the store and thinking oh my god why did i do medicine because <laughs> um, it's definitely happened to me on the surgical weekends as an f1 running around um at what point during that did you kind of realize or kind of had that moment where you kind of take yourself aside and be am I really enjoying my career mm-hmm. do I see a future in it mm-hmm. am I happy when did that happen um kind of tell us through that moment mm-hmm. um, if it was a moment or if it was something that gradually built up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I mean like like I mentioned earlier I definitely started to get feelings like that when I got back into clinical medicine after my BSc um, but I'm glad that I tried F1 and F2 I even got the jobs that I wanted um, in my deanery which were F2 GP and ophthalmology jobs so I thought they were kind of um, specialties I was considering ish um, so I'm glad that I gave it a go and completed F2 as well um, hmm. it's like another life philosophy. I just hang on to these little life philosophies that go through <laughs> is, um, when I was in my, on my elective in, in Vietnam with friends, um, hmm. I was sitting in this like outdoor coffee shop, um, naturally drinking coffee where I'm most, um, <laughs> um, with one of my friends and there was this sweet little old Vietnamese lady walking around with a basket of like biscuits and, you know, naturally you don't really want it. So you didn't buy it. And she was like, biscuit, biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> we like, no, thank <laughs> you. And then she kind of looked into our soul and said, Oh, wow. If you do not try, you will never know. And I'm like, oh, oh my god, that is so true. And we tried these little coconut biscuits, <laughs> and they were sensational. Like honestly, they became our favorite biscuits, and oh, wow. um, they were like the biscuits for me and my friend of the of the trip. <laughs> we bought a few. Yeah. We even took some home for her brothers, and um, it just really sat with me that if 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 she hadn't said that, we wouldn't have tried those biscuits, and then we would yeah. never know how good they are. So I definitely yeah, yeah. think. In anything in life, you can't rule out a career. You can't um, rule out anything without trying it um, because you will never know. And I definitely felt that um, I'm glad that I tried F1 and F2 because I had some good moments. But overall, I think slowly, slowly it was seeping into me that I wasn't... I was definitely... I mean, medicine can become all-consuming and it was... I think there's not often time to sit back and think and ex- really acknowledge how you're feeling um, mm. because it's so busy and constant and continuous. So 
I, I felt like I was asking myself, am I happy? And I, I was, but I don't think my happiness was coming from my job itself. I think it was coming from yeah. uh, family, friends. I got a chance to travel a, a lot. I really made the mm. most of my foundation years as well. So it wasn't too bad, but it definitely started to feel a bit monotonous. And I just noticed that in hospital, I was kind of trying to fit a mold that wasn't built for me. And that's how I felt mm. like slightly uncomfortable because I just felt like I wasn't able to be creative and anytime something yeah. got kind of challenging you'd you'd refer to the specialists or and in GP I felt this a lot as well um I mean my favorite patients were the mental health patients because I feel like mm. that's the least black and white topic in medicine and the most yes. uh the one where you can most impact people with your words and um I just still felt that medicine it was the way I, I sometimes thinking of it is like when you have those kids um, wooden toy boxes with those little wooden kind of shapes and letters with the little handles on it. I don't know if any of you guys remember that from your childhood or have a, have. Yeah. But when you try and when you see them trying to force like the square into the into the triangle shape, when you're like, yeah. babe, that's not going to work. It's the wrong shape. Yeah. Um, like you can try and knock it and damn it, and it's just never going to fit. Yeah. And even if you squeeze it in, it's going to feel out of place so I feel like yeah. that's the same with people when you force someone into a space that was never built for them um they're yeah. always going to feel like uncomfortable like something's missing um so I just kind of felt like I was going against my nature a bit um and as much as humans mm. like anatomically are the same to a degree mm. um I think personality is very so much and and you do need to yeah. kind of in life lean into what makes you you and lean into what makes you happy um and I definitely yeah. wasn't making those decisions for myself and for what mm. made me happy earlier on um mm. so I definitely felt it wasn't me um and 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 at this point I just definitely want to say that medicine is for so many people and I do think yeah. it's an amazing profession like both my parents mm. work in the NHS like I said and they're super happy it brings them a lot of mm. joy and you know um, they, they're both still working and like, you know, hope, you know, God protect them. And I, I love them both and they do an amazing job. Mm. But I think for me, I, I feel blessed to be in a position where I can afford to try something else. And I'm at that point yeah. where I want to make um, make that that decision, because after finishing F2, I just didn't know what I wanted to apply for. And just none of the specialties mm. were kind of jumping out to me. The way I see it is that actually you need clinicians in spaces that clinicians don't work in, like in health, yeah, yeah. because you need that insight into what patients um, think like, that medical knowledge and expertise mm. to help build something that truly will work. And for him, mm. he his version of a thank you from a patient is more a thank you email that he gets from someone saying, oh, I, I smoked for, you know, 30 years, smoking wow. with both my parents, um, and I struggled to quit forever. And I finally quit using Quit Genius and I owe you my life. And he gets his yeah. kind of golden nuggets, like um, as you mentioned, um, mm -hmm. from that. And and that's, I think, I think we need to be a little bit more open-minded in the industry of healthcare that actually being a yeah. doctor and a clinician isn't the only way you can impact people Definitely. using your medical knowledge. And, uh, I'm glad you, you mentioned that. And I think it was the same discussion we had with Tony Young. It's having a clinical background is good, but there's so many ways you can have impact on people's lives. And I'm sure, as you know, with, with the nature of tech, mm -hmm. you know, we as doctors perhaps see a handful of patients on wards, whereas with Quit Genius, he can potentially help millions of people around the world. 
Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a doctor to help people. You have to, you know, kind of grind. And another thing I wanted to share, and I think another colleague of mine was saying it's there's such a big disparity of what medical school is like compared to what working life as an F1 and F2 is. Yeah. And, and I feel a lot of people, even, to make the decision at 18 years old to kind of be like, yeah, I'm going to go on this lifelong career. Yeah. I'm going to become a doctor is very difficult. And I've always kind of, when I speak to people, I do encourage making an informed decision. So stuff like work experience, speaking to seniors. Um, just going back, mm-hmm. growing up in a household of doctors and I imagine your parents have worked in the NHS for a very long time. Mm-hmm. When kind of broaching the topic, when discussing it with them, were they supportive? Were they reserved? You know, as an, you know, I, I can imagine if I brought the topic up to my mom, my mom will have a breakdown. She'd be like, <laughs> oh my God, you know, ha, like, like I've, same, similar to you, I've, with me and Ams have both taken a year out and my mom thinks I'm going to go back to clinical medicine and mm-hmm. I'm not too sure if I'm really going to ever go back. How was that conversation with your parents? You know, bear in mind, they are mm. doctors as well. So before I answer that, I just wanted to say um, what you were saying about uh, making that decision at the age of 18, usually younger, yeah. actually, for most people. Sorry, yeah. Um, I I think that what we need in medicine is a bit of a kind of psychological change um, where we say if you study medicine it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a clinician for the rest of your life till the day you die or the day you retire you can also make a change and it's at the end of the day it's a degree and you can choose to use it how you want and even if you decide now yourself or me that we want to leave clinical medicine for a while it's still our life choice to come back to that if we wish and there's still so much flexibility in life and we don't need to see everything is so rigid and I think medics particularly get into this um, kind of psychological stress where they feel that they're falling behind because by this age I should have been a reg or by this age I should have been a consultant etc etc and you kind of mark your own life against this ideal timeline but if you look outside of medicine other people don't do that at all um yeah, that's I mean, true. there probably are exceptions but you know look at teachers bankers like everyone's different all different ages but they work together and it's not about how old you are it's about your journey and what you learn along the way and everyone's got a different path to get them where they want to be so even if someone's 40 and wants to go into medicine like if that's what you want to do like go for it and we need to just i think relax our um, mindsets a little bit and and yeah. afford some flexibility so so I think yeah. if either of us and you can tell your mom that you can always come back um, <laughs> that is the beauty of medicine you can always come back to it as exactly. in like you know it's not like you forsake it what Anya just said just to echo that once you can remove yourself from comparing your life your timeline to someone else's I think that's the sweet spot of where your happiness lies mm-hmm. so finding just doing what you want at mm-hmm. your sort of at the right moment at for your pace you. yeah you know, exactly yeah Um, on that point I think it's um it's all about perspective in a career because for my dad and when I've had this conversation with my dad he doesn't really understand my desire to find happiness in a career that much because for him work is a means to an end and for so many people it is just a way to make money and I guess for me I'm really blessed and, and lucky to have this luxury of being able to choose something that might not necessarily make me the most money um but for me I don't believe that a job should be the means to an end but for him yeah. you know 
I guess part and part part of that is that he actually really enjoys being a shoulder surgeon and doesn't realize it. Because if it was bringing yeah. him happiness, he probably would have a different perspective. But your experiences really mold your perspective, I guess. And hmm. I'm I'm currently I one thing I do a lot um, and trying to do a lot is is read. And as a, as a kid, I used to read a lot of um, fiction, um, <clears throat> and definitely felt that that opened like more imaginative. Uh, elements in in my personality but but now I've moved more into non-fiction because I love hearing about people's lives and their stories and it's just yeah. a whole wealth of knowledge in in you know a couple of hours audiobook um, I'm currently listening to Steve Jobs audiobook um, oh, that amazing. that's amazing the one that by amazing, Isaacson yes. have you guys read it yeah 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 I've read the book awesome. as well. so he has this um he has this quote where he says your work is going to fill a large part of your life and the only mm. way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work and the only way to do yeah. great work is to love what you do. And if you haven't found yeah. it yet, keep looking, don't settle. Mm. And like, for me, that really resonates because you can't really do a job well if your heart's not in it. And you've got to really um, have that love for something to really commit yourself to it. Um, otherwise, otherwise, you're just not really giving enough of yourself to whatever it is you're doing. Um, you don't want to you want to knock down those walls because you because you love it so much. So um, I definitely felt like that resonates with me. And, and my mom, my mom, going back to my parents, she mm. initially was a bit, um, you know, resisting the idea. But I did kind of speak to her about life is so long, and you don't want to. Well, hopefully, you never know, but you never want to get to a point where you're looking back and regretting um, a risk you didn't take. And and I, yeah. I think people use these mental models to help them make decisions. And I think regret minimization is like a really useful mental model for me. Like, what will I regret more? Will I regret not mm. trying something else? Or will I regret mm. not going straight into medicine and specialty training? Um, so I, for me, I definitely felt that I don't want to look back in 30, 40 years or however long I have um, and wish that I had a bit more bravery to, to step off of yeah. um, that treadmill. And my mom, by the end of it, she kind of looked a bit missing. Yeah. I remember this conversation and she was like uh yeah you know what I think you're right and in some ways I feel like I could have done more stuff in my youth too and I kind of yeah. had, had brought her over to 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 the dark side to your side, yeah. to your yeah. side. <laughs> it is it is it really is to the dark side I'm just um like a friend of mine uses the same framework you know uh minimizing regret so like at your deathbed you want to kind of look at back at your life and see you know mm -hmm. these are the opportunities i had did i take it what yeah. are my regrets so he's he he ended up leaving the world of banking you know oh, having worked okay. with the goldman sachs big bank and whatnot um but yeah the minimizing regret i think is a good start on things because it would be such a shame to kind of have a 60 70 year career at the end of it and kind of take a step back and be like do you know what i wish i had done x y and z i wish i had went on you know traveled the world went and done this mm -hmm. when i had my own startup mm -hmm. and went um but yeah, I'm glad you echoed mm. that. And it seems medics are now more open to that idea because mm. I feel mm. there are lots of people that are unhappy in medicine. Like you said, if you don't truly love it, it does affect the quality of work and quality of care mm. um, to a certain degree. Mm. And I'm just going to put it out there. Um, but it is refreshing to see those individuals who have so much potential are using their clinical background to go and do other things that still do have impact on others. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always refreshing to hear that the same mindset from other individuals or other medics. Mm. Yeah, and it re reminds me of this um, 
it's another story i just keep uh i love stories my my friends uh who know me personally will know that i just like tell really long um stories and they anytime we meet up it's like anya tell us some stories <laughs> one that um that reminded me of what what you were saying about loving what you do is um when i was i just recently spent a month in florence um i mean on mm. three you you get a chance to to do that and it was amazing um i was just painting and really connecting back to my original kind of passions of art and drawing mm. everything and florence is kind of the the birthplace of, no. of the, of the yeah. renaissance um so it was amazing but we i was uh, at a pasta making class and i don't know if you guys have ever made fresh pasta before um but it's, yeah, it's made it's of something we couldn't do <laughs> <laughs> you could it's really really easy and i was surprised how easy it was it's just flour and eggs like two ingredients that's it, oh, wow. it just turns into pasta it's mad um but <laughs> i was i'm kind of like kneading this dough of pasta with the um the course leader alessandra and i was like so confused like if pasta is so simple to make i'm like alessandra what makes a good pasta different to a great pasta and like without mm. like blinking she goes love and I'm like, love. Oh, wow. She's like, yeah, yeah. She's like, you've got to make pasta with love. She was like, if you don't make pasta with love, it's not going to taste good. And I was like, initially, I was like, I don't know, maybe it's like something else. Like, is there another ingredient? But actually, as I got into the pasta, I was just like, actually, I can kind of see that as being a really good philosophy to have in life. That mm. between, you know, you can, I can get through medicine. And I think I was always a good doctor. I always... Um, adhered to my clinical responsibilities I always went above and beyond for my patients but I think to be a truly great doctor you've really got to love it because that's when you when you pour a little bit of yourself and your soul into your job Mm. that's where you Mm. take something to the next level and um, and that's that's you know that pasta making class really really helpful life lessons I I love how your life lessons are in these beautiful moments and it's always abroad um (laughs) Any coffee shops. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that kind of takes us on to the next question. Yeah. Where, you know, when you're chasing fulfillment, when you're mm. chasing contentment and happiness, similar to us, what did you do or what did you end up doing outside of medicine, which oh, yeah. you then started mm-hmm. thinking, okay, wow, this is hitting that sweet spot. This is yeah. something I can see myself doing. I love this. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, well, to a degree, I'm still figuring things out. So I don't want to, I don't want to kind of sit here and and act like I've everything (laughs) um, figured out. And my whole life is, you know, on this on this one um, sort paved out perfect path. But um, definitely, you mentioned Tony Young earlier, and um, I did um, apply and got onto the clinical entrepreneurship program that was in 2018. So I've been um, a fellow on that program for a couple of years now. And I do think that's a great space for people who want to connect with other like-minded um, medics and um, healthcare professionals who are also interested in innovation and technology. Um, so what I found to be most valuable from the clinical entrepreneurship um, program in my experience was was definitely the people and the networking. Um, mm. You just, when I think when you surround yourself with people who have similar goals, it really eggs you on and pushes you to really find your passion. And I'd be hearing these pictures and stories. And at the time, I didn't really have um, a solution um, or a project that I was working on myself. But I'd hear mm. these people speak with such passion and, and and again, love about these solutions yeah, yeah. they'd created. And it, it just really pushes you to want to 
want to make that for yourself and I, I think I mentioned with my husband and um, I see that in him every day as well um, that at the end of the day even if it's a long hard day like he, he's really truly happy and I think being around him has definitely fueled my desire to find what what gives me that same kind of fire in your belly type feeling and that excitement yeah um, so for me I was trying to I actually kind of took a more like rational approach and was trying to assess like what what were rare times that I was happiest and a lot of them go back to building projects and building solutions in the business school I think I headed um charity week um which is a is a big kind of campaign in in university I headed that in my third year as well and that was a really creative experience as well um and I loved kind of working with people all in this kind of common mission to look back and say you know that campaign that was us we Mm -hmm. did that um so those were the kind of moments that I pinned down and for me a lot of the uh the features that I contributed to were a lot around product um or service development and to kind of put my yeah. in um put myself in the patients or user shoes and say, okay, if I wanted to solve this problem, what would I want? And let's try build that. And um I think being um you know a bit more of a creative uh person with attention to detail, I think that product design and product development um uh kind of space is where I feel that I'm I'm really good at that and I'm that's what I enjoy um so I I don't know if you can hear my coffee machine cleaning itself in the background there (laughs) um it's just really noisy here but um what was they saying um so, so for me I thought um actually I love creating and designing new things that people will use mm. and hopefully that people will use to make um, better healthcare decisions or to improve their health. So I definitely would, I've got this ideal scenario in my head where in five years time, I want to mm. be working in product management where I get to work with users. So patients, um, designers mm. and developers on building and iterating and improving a product or service or platform that's really going to help change people's lives for the better mm. and oh, wow. using creative creativity and art and design um, in that to really create a service that people are going to love and engage with. Um, so mm. for me, that's kind of my goal and my dream. Um, and I think mm. at this point, I'm also accepting that it's okay for that to change. Like if you set yourself a goal yeah. or a dream, you don't need to, you know, no one's holding a gun at your head saying you have to do this or you're useless. You can change that. But for me, I'm definitely still trying to figure it out and how to get yeah. there for me. Uh, obviously in medicine, I think one of the, one of the mm. great things about the career is everything is laid out for you if you want to be a cardiothoracic surgeon you know the steps Mm. you need to take to get there but outside of medicine what I'm finding and still trying to um, grapple with a little bit is there's no clear-cut pathway there's so many different doors you can take and you never know if it's going to get you where you want to be but there's again like the lady said you never know unless you try so um at the moment that's um that's what I'm doing I, I was a recently approached about coming up to nine, 10 months ago now to advise a health tech company, which 
for me, it wasn't directly in um, product design or development, but I do, I, I work more on clinical um, navigation and research for that. It's the company's called Impli. Um, it's mm. a medical implantation um, device company where you have a small microchip sitting um, subcutaneously and it holds your patient data and we're developing temperature sensors that will hopefully be able to be used in situations, um, yeah. clinical situations like um, fertility and um, detection of neutropenic sepsis in chemo patients, loads of different yeah. um, applications, but I'm working with the team there. It's quite a young team, um, yeah. very new company um, on clinical rigor in the design and development process. But for me, that's that's more part-time. For me, I, I want to find a, a space where I'm working on owning that product um, development lifecycle and really putting, putting my energy in and passion into creating something great. So that's where Anya, I'm at. If I can ask a quick question, yeah. how do you deal with, so obviously in this sphere, what you said was, um, so medicine is almost put out for you. You know exactly what you need to do. How do you deal with the uncertainty in the sphere right now of not knowing where, I guess, income is going to come from, where you're going to end up in five years? Are you going to mm. be a, a mm. an advisor, a consultant in a company, a, a manager? How do you deal with the uncertainty that comes and how mm. do you embrace that? How, how have you gone about mm. to embrace that? Um, that's, that's a really good question, actually, because, um, I haven't given it that much thought. I think I've always been, um, I've always been the kind of person who wants to be true to myself. And I mm. think the moment that I felt that I wasn't being true to myself in medicine, um, I, I mean, it wasn't one clear moment, but as that was building up inside of me, I felt that that discomfort was greater than the discomfort of 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 uncertainty, um, because because yeah. you can be certain in medicine, but you can also be unhappy, and that's worse for me. I think knowing that yeah, I'm going absolutely. to be unhappy than not knowing whether I will be happy. If you know what I mean, um, it's a difficult yeah, yeah, question to answer. But I guess, like, like I said, um, I do feel really lucky and blessed that I am in a place where things are financially secure. I've got some savings mm -hmm. from my first two years. We did live um, at home a little bit, saved a bit of money. Mm. Um, and, and then obviously I'm, I'm married as well, which is great because I can use my husband's money for now. <laughs> <laughs> Even though that's not something I want to do for a long time. And um, I mean, I'm working on, on a few different things as well to hopefully give me some some security. But, but something I was yeah. thinking recently is that it's okay to feel uncomfortable in your uncertainty when you've stepped out of your comfort zone because yeah. when you're people always say you know the progress and growth only happens outside of your comfort zone and so when True. you step out of that and you you're hoping to grow learn and develop and become better become happier you're naturally going to feel uncomfortable because you are in outside of your comfort zone so that's a good place to be and if you just recognize that okay i feel a little bit overwhelmed i'm a bit unsure i'm a bit uncertain but it's okay to feel uncomfortable because I'm outside of my comfort zone. That's okay. Yeah. And like, in fact, that's the place you want to be if you want to get better. And I think that's something I recognized recently. I think it was in, in Florence. I was having this conversation with, with someone I met on a, on a cycle tour and, and we, mm. he'd also stepped out of um, sales and he, he'd been full, kind of made to go into a sales role that he wasn't happy in for a corporate organization. And, and we were just talking about this feeling of how uncomfortable it is 
but then actually trying to embrace that uncomfortable and turning into like uh, motivation to to keep going um i yeah. hope that makes sense but that's how i feel no, it, <laughs> and it's definitely hard to it does, to it does. i can feel the passion as well that you have in in, in the space you're in right now um, um yeah it's good yeah. it's, it's contagious <laughs> and like i feel like you're super happy in it and like um it's kind of similar to our journeys as well mm-hmm. which is always cool are you currently working on anything in the moment that's exciting that's kind of preoccupying your time um that you 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 want to share with our listeners mm-hmm. and perhaps yeah so at kind the of moment, give us an idea. yeah no sure I, at the moment i'm definitely in a space where i'm not um looking to apply for a full-time job because i think the good the beauty of f3 whether it's one year or longer than that and for anyone else who's taking an f3 or thinking about that if you've got any projects you've always wanted to commit to but you just don't have enough time alongside a full-time job i think f3 is a great time to do that and i'm not in a rush right now to start working for someone else because right now i finally feel um in control of my own time and there's this project that i've um i came up with the idea fairly recently a few months ago but I've now started to commit to turning it into reality and it's Mm -hmm. called the brainy co (laughs) and essentially what it is it's nothing groundbreaking revolutionary or a kind of medical company that's going to change the world but it's more a passion project for me and you know being as I've said the kind of person who loves um, design I've always wanted to turn my design into something that can be shared or worn by other people so what Mm -hmm. the brainy co is is i'm hoping it will turn into a platform of uh, a community for thinkers but to purchase beautifully and cleverly designed products that are kind of academically themed um that are like both wholesome and thoughtful because for me i feel that i'm kind of stuck in this intersection between a scientist and an artist and I think that's okay um, and that's where I enjoy and that's really what I identify as someone like right in the middle of that so I want um, I, that's why it's called the brainy co because I want that's it to be a space yeah. for you know products that really you know exude thoughtfulness but also are really well designed um so i'm working on um a sock um line at the moment because i love socks um it's a weird pattern to have, <laughs> but i have like my sock drawers like overflowing but i absolutely oh, wow. love a colorful well-designed socks and for me yeah. i just really wanted these um academic themed ones and, and another kind of purpose and one of the the driving forces behind the Bico mm. was that I feel again really grateful and this comes from like my more kind of spiritual um, reflections that where I am now I'm really lucky to be because of the education oh. I've um, I've had and the amazing education mm-hmm. I've had access to and I think you know if we can uh, call ourselves thinkers and you know academics mm. it's because of all the education we've had such easy access to but so many people don't have that and so one of yeah. the ethoses of um, the brainy co that i want to um, develop is um, that it, a lot of the proceeds will go to funding um, education charities in places where people oh, wow. aren't so able to access um, the kind of education that we've we've been so lucky to have um so it's kind of a yeah like a a non-profit um uh passion project uh Mm. to create these designs and i think that putting myself out there to turn something from idea to um to an actual 
product on the market product. would uh, really help me like I'm, I'm already learning so much it's really super exciting and i just can yeah yeah it's gonna be cheeky i think yeah. we should when the episode comes out should yeah. we do like a brainico collaborating with a scrubbed in pair of socks to celebrate your episode that would be amazing yeah, if we could do that. Be, I don't know. i'm definitely open for collabs and like for people to work with me on designing socks or products that they they love um as well and it's i want it to also have um i also want there to be a bit of a blog space as well i'm working on the, de- mm. the website at the moment but if anyone mm. listening wants to contribute or write or work with me on the brainy co um you can mm. like follow the brainy co on instagram um so far it's like blank because i haven't launched but oh. um they all contact me we'll share on, all. On, yeah. at the brainy co it's my email so um yeah i'm just working with designers and developers at the moment as well to to kind of bring my products to life and for me i i've just always wanted to do that it's a dream i've had to it's such a cool job to bring something yeah it really is fun and colorful yeah I, I just think like bringing bringing more color into the world is never a bad thing to do and yeah that's that's where i am absolutely that sounds amazing and i'm looking forward we're gonna we're gonna send over to the socks yeah (laughs) i think the whole this whole conversation just changed um (laughs) yeah like we talked about deep like stuff about death and and finding yourself now now we're talking about it yeah (laughs) we're gonna have oh um i'm conscious of time on you and i know you've you've we've been trying to get this recording done we've all been super busy mm-hmm. um just to kind of towards the end wrap it up i'll you know you've clearly had a lot of experience kind of going through med school working as a junior doctor going on this journey um what are your reflections so far um what have you learned what have you taken away from it all um i think it'd be a nice way to end it so our listeners can get a good understanding um, of your journey up until this moment in time okay um so I guess to, to wrap it up, I'd say um, I definitely felt alone a little bit in medical school being the black sheep who kind of had to pretend that she was someone she wasn't really passionate about mm-hmm. medicine in the same way that I thought everyone around me was. And what I would want to say to people listening who who feel the way that I'm describing is that it's okay to not want to commit your life to one thing and it's okay to not know what you want to do either um life is so vast and there's just so much option out there that it's just impossible to really commit yourself to one thing and and that's okay um and just to really lean in again like i said to to what you love and and i i again like i said i'm really blessed to have the freedom to choose happiness um or hope hopefully find happiness over money and like the luxury of, of, of seeing a job as, as more than a job. I mean, I know so many people have children and families and maybe even their own parents to support. So, you know, God's given me so much, but I also believe that it's my duty to do justice to the skills and talents that I've been given as well. So that's what I really want to focus on. And I think if you've got something special, if you've got something unique that makes you you, even if you don't want to do it as a full-time job, if you want to do it as a side hustle or just as a hobby, don't let go of that. And I think medics really need to to accept that it's okay to, to be more than just a clinician. Um, you can do so much more and, and whatever makes you happy and whatever you really love and things that make you unique, you know, don't let go yeah. of them. That's, that's one of the biggest things that I've learned on this journey, I think. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Thank that's, you so much. That's such great advice. And I definitely know there are lots of people out there that are similar situations mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. um, if people want to reach out to you Anya how do they get hold of you 
Um, we'll definitely put the links in the description below. So how do people get in touch with you if they do have questions or if they're going for a similar phase in their life where they're a bit, you know, in a dark place and mm -hmm. they don't know what to do with their careers? So, I mean, um, I'm quite active on my Instagram blog still. I mean, for me, that's definitely a creative outlet. And I like to, you know, mm. I connect with so many people and I've actually become quite friendly with a lot of my followers. Um, so mm. you can follow me on there and send me a DM. I try to get through all my DMs eventually. Um, yeah. Or, um, yeah, if it's something to do with the Brain Eco, you can contact me on email or I'm on LinkedIn too. To be honest, anywhere. Um, I'm on pretty much all social media. <laughs> so yeah, I'm happy, happy for people to, to reach out and... Um, or if they if they message you and want to get in touch just let me know I'd, of course yeah fair enough we'll, advice we'll, awesome. we'll put everyone in touch but a massive thank you to anya yeah, and a thank massive you so much thank you to all our listeners we hope you all look after yourself and we look forward to seeing you all next week yeah thank you guys so much